Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from King of Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. How has God loved you? In Scripture, that's a very important question, as we shall see. But in what way has he loved you? If you don't understand that, you can't live a life of obedience to him. So, how has he loved you? Well, we would have to start with saying that he sent Jesus into the world to identify completely with you. You've got to be personal about this. So he sent him to bring you the gospel of the kingdom and to make it possible for you to be part of his kingdom. He did that in love. When he came, Jesus submitted himself perfectly to the will of his Father, and he lived in perfect obedience to the Father for your sake, so that you could receive a salvation, because without that submission, without that obedience, there again would have been no salvation for anyone. So in that consistent submission of his life to the Father and his obedience to the will of his Father, he was actually expressing love for you. Then, of course, on the cross, here we have the supreme expression of his love. He died for you in the sense that he took all your sin and failure and fear and every negative thing upon himself so that you could be free from all guilt and from all those negatives. So he did that in love for you. But we know also, of course, that he not only died for you, but he took you to the cross with him. It uh, would have been a big enough burden to have to face the cross just for himself, but he actually took you with him. Uh, And in his love for you, he put you to death with him. And then his love for you is expressed in the fact that when he rose again, you were able to rise with him. He made that possible for you. Of course, that wouldn't be possible without going to the cross with him and being crucified with him. You could only be raised with him because you were crucified with him. But he did all that in love, so you would not actually have to experience a physical crucifixion, so 
you would not have to suffer the punishment for your sins that you deserve. He bore that punishment for you so that you may have his new risen life. All that is his love for you. He literally laid down his life for you. And then, of course, he ascended to the glory of the Father in heaven. And because you are still in him, then uh, you were glorified with him so that he sees you seated in heavenly places already. That has to be the outworking of this amazing love that he has for you. So he did all that historically. But then there came the experience, the empirical experience of his love, which began for you when you first realized that in some way he was calling you personally. Even if you were brought up in a Christian home, there had to come the point where you responded personally to his call upon your life. <coughs> and you realize that choosing you, electing you amongst all the mass of humanity to belong to him was another great act of his love. And then as you were brought into relationship with him, with the one through whom the whole creation of the world came into being, uh, you began to experience that love in the things that were taking place within you. Supremely, you experienced his mercy, his forgiveness, that although he is the great high and holy almighty God, he didn't judge you or condemn you. He took all your condemnation upon himself. He was condemned so that you would not be condemned. He was found guilty so that all your guilty could be atoned for. He suffered the punishment that you could go free. So you began to experience all that in the way that he forgave all your sins and took from you or that sense of guilt and failure for things that you wish you'd never done, regretted that you'd ever done. And he began, therefore, to give you a sense of peace and of joy, of the joy of actually knowing him, of being in a right relationship with him. Then he expressed his love still further by pouring his Holy Spirit into your life, filling you with his love and with his power, making it possible for you to live the life that he called you to live so that you wouldn't be living that life dependent upon your own power and strength, but upon his spirit. All this is the outworking of his love. Then as you began to walk with him and relate with him, 
he constantly showed you his compassion, his mercy, and needing to forgive you time and time again. And every act of that forgiveness was an act of his mercy, which is an act of his love. And you began to become a person of faith and realize that in Christ Jesus, he had given you all things that out of his great love for you, he'd made you a co-heir with Christ, that he'd blessed you in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So you began to be a man or woman of faith, learning to lay hold of that great inheritance that he's given you out of his great love. And you realize that you can never come really to a full appreciation and realization of that love because it is so immense, it is so great, so high, so deep, so broad, so long. And nothing, nothing in the whole of creation can ever separate you from that love. And you just realize that it doesn't matter what goes on in your life, where you are in terms of experience or feeling or situation, that love for you is always consistent, it's always the same, that he promises that he will not be angry with you because he has taken all the judgment you deserve upon himself. And he says to you, abide in my love, live in my love. And you realize that all these things are true and even though there may be times in your life when you got disappointed or expected God to do things that didn't happen or you were perplexed and couldn't understand why he had allowed certain things to happen, yet you learned that in all things he was working for your good and that often even when you didn't understand things, Later you did understand and you saw the hand of God was upon you and that he was really working out his plan and his purpose in your life for your benefit as well as for his glory. So that sums up something of God's love for you. Uh, it's inadequate because we can never express sufficiently how great that love is, how wonderful that love is. But then we come to his will and his purpose in making you part of his new creation and part of the new covenant and giving you a, a command. Giving this command to all of his children. And we usually water that command down a little bit and say, well, God calls us to love one another. But that's not actually the command that Jesus gave. Let's listen 
to his words. As I have loved you, so you are to love one another. In the same way that I have loved you, you are to love one another. You see, we can't do that if we don't appreciate how he has loved us. We can't love one another in the way that he's loved us unless we appreciate how he's loved us. And he says again later on, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Love one another in the same way that I have loved you. And we know that before he went to the cross, he prayed for all those who would become believers. And what he was praying for was the outworking of what it would mean for believers to love one another as he had loved them. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. So if we love one another as he has loved us, there will be the same unity amongst us as there is between the Father and the Son. Now we can see immediately Jesus is not talking about and praying about having a loving attitude towards one another. He's talking about something much deeper and more profound than that. That the unity between us as we love one another as he has loved us will reflect the unity that there is between the Father and the Son. And we know from the scripture, from John's gospel especially, what that unity really consisted of, that perfect unity between Jesus and his Father. May they also be in us, so that the world will believe that you have sent me. The world will believe when they see this love, when they see Christians loving one another as Jesus has loved them, and when they see them, when the world is able to see the kind of unity that exists among believers that reflects the same unity that there was between the Father and the Son. Now that's setting a very high standard, but of course he's given us the Holy Spirit to enable that high standard to be outworked in our lives. So Jesus then prays, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. So there is the same thought. The unity between believers is to be the same as the unity between the Father and the Son. They are to be one with one another as we are one with each other. 
I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me. So our mission to the world to continue the ministry of Jesus is dependent upon this love, is dependent upon this unity, is dependent upon us loving one another as he has loved us. You've heard me say many times that in genuine revival, the mark, the thing that is obvious is not so much the power and the, the number of people coming to the Lord. That is the fruit of the revival. But the actual revival itself is in seeing this incredible love that God works between his people by the power of his spirit. And you would say that God is working amongst us and there's a lot of love in this church and in the college here and among the team. But I don't think any of us would claim that it's the full fulfillment of what Jesus is talking about, that we yet love one another as he has loved us. Or that there is yet the unity between us that reflects the unity between the Father and the Son, the unity for which he prayed, the unity that will enable the world to believe. So we can praise God for what he has done, but we can, we can see that there's still a work to do to bring us into the kind of love of which Jesus was speaking. <coughs> of course, to see the outworking of that, we are completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. But it would be a cop-out to say, well, the Holy Spirit must work this in us. That's, that's true at one level, but on another level, he will only work it out in those who have this heart's desire. I mean, if we don't desire to love one another as he has loved us, the Holy Spirit will not work it out in us. But once we have that desire to see the will of God being expressed in our lives to this extent, then the Holy Spirit will work it out in us. And John, in his epistle, of course, takes up uh, all that Jesus was saying about, about the love of God about this command to love one another. And just one of the things, because he makes several statements. He says, dear friends, this is in chapter 4, verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. We ought to love one another in the same way that he loved us. So he's saying the same thing, because of course he was present when Jesus first gave those commandments. So, we are grateful to the Lord for all the expressions of his love towards us. But I, I won't go th through again all those ways in which he has loved us. 
But of course, certain things become immediately clear that when he gave this command, Jesus said, there's no greater love than this that a man lays down his life for his friends. And so the only way in which we can love one another is by laying down our lives for one another, whatever that means in practice. My shorthand for that is to live for others rather than yourself, to live for one another. To realize that we're here in kingdom faith, we're here in the college, we're here on the team, we're here as part of the church, not for ourselves, but for the others. Um, that's that's the, the biggest hurdle, I think, that Christians have to get over, this to get beyond the selfish element of thinking that the reason why you relate to God is for your salvation, for your blessing, for your good, and so on and so on and so on. All that is true, but actually that's a byproduct of living for others. That the measure you give is the measure you get back. It is not the cause, it is not the reason for living in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> and uh, when Jesus took you to the cross, as I was preaching here on, on, on Horsham on Sunday, when he took you to the cross, you, he, he consecrated you. You became part of the sacrifice. He was, he was not only sacrificing himself, he was sacrificing you along with him. So your life has been sacrificed to the Father. And of course, Jesus went to the cross in obedience to the will of the Father, but he went there for others, for all those who would benefit. He, did, he didn't need to go to the cross for himself. He hadn't sinned, he hadn't grieved the Father. He went there for others. So you were consecrated to the Father when you were crucified. So that was what God accomplished even before you knew him. Because when, when you were saved, you were saved into the finished work of Jesus Christ. As I have loved you, not as I love you now, but as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. Uh, and uh, so, you know, you were consecrated to God, to the Father, for the benefit of others. And one, once you've got over that hurdle and you realize God isn't, hasn't called me to fulfill my own ambitions or to do with my life what I would like, but... He has called me to fulfill the reason why he called me for his purpose, for his plan, for his benefit. Uh, and that is going to be the essence of where I will find the fulfillment in my life, knowing that I have fulfilled what he wants rather than what I want. And what God has to work in you is not simply bringing you to that point where you realize that the reason for your life is to live for others and not yourself, then you have to constantly work that out so that becomes your way of life. So that is, if you like, what becomes natural to you. Natural to your thinking, natural to your attitudes, natural to what you actually do and work out and express in your life. That um, you don't think for, first and foremost about yourself and your desires and your selfishness, but 
you have this, this innate, this, this attitude that is engrafted into your heart, really, by the Holy Spirit, that you live to give, you live to serve, you live to bless. Um, that is your reason for living. Your, your reason for living is to live for God, but you can only live for God by living for others. And so that becomes the essence of your life. That becomes your way of life. So Jesus, I think Jesus' view of what the church should be, because he didn't speak much about the church, did he? All he said throughout his ministry is, I will build my church. He, he was speaking all the time about the kingdom he says, you go and preach the kingdom, you live the life of the kingdom, and I will build my church. Basically, that's what he was saying. But I think, you see, his idea of church would be bodies of people that were living for one another. And that that would be such a demonstration of his love that the world around would believe. <clears throat> that people would not be, would not be drawn to Christ through argument and, uh, and, and even just by preaching but by the example of love that was evident among his people, his children. Uh, Father, may they be one so that the world will know that you have sent me and that you have loved them even as you have loved me. So this love, you see, for one another, uh, as John says in his first epistle, can only be evident in our lives because he's first loved us. That's why we have to have a real appreciation of every way in which God has expressed his love for us. And then, you see, our attitude is, thank you, Jesus. Now I want that expression of your love to be evident in my life towards others. So it, it doesn't stop at just being thank you, thank you for your mercy, I want to be merciful. It, it doesn't stop at thank you, Lord, that you do not judge me, I do not want to judge anyone. Thank you, Lord, that you do not condemn me, I, do never, I never want to have an attitude of condemnation towards anybody else. That, Lord, as you never criticize me before others, I will never criticize others because I want to be like you because this is your call on my life and the essence of your call on my life to be like you is so that I love others as you have loved me that what you've done in your humanity is to give us an example of that love but we know we can't follow that example in our own strength it has to be the working of God's spirit within us but it has to be Therefore, our heart's desire for that kind of love, that quality of love, to be expressed in us. So, <clears throat> we don't have to get all introspective. Remember, I warn you against that again and again. But you see, it's when God speaks his word to us, and he begins in the power of the Spirit to unfold really what that word means, that you don't need to examine yourself. Immediately, 
you are convicted, you, you sense that which is lacking in you. Uh, thankful for what God has worked, but you also immediately become conscious of where you are lacking in the full outworking of, of what he is saying, what he's commanding, what he's desiring, what, what his will is. Then, of course, the question immediately arises, okay, now you understand that, what are you going to do about it? Uh, it's not enough to say, well, Lord, forgive me that I don't love as Christ has loved me. Uh, he will, of course, forgive you, but that doesn't move you on in your life of obedience to his love. Uh, you only move on when things change, when you change, when you make the decisions to change. And uh, you, you have to understand about your heart. You know, uh, I, I once heard a, a, a preacher say this, and I, it really got me thinking at the time, and I, I've realized since how true this is, that God will never change your heart. He gave you a new heart, and it's for you to look after the quality of that heart. It's you, for you to keep that heart pure, as the scripture says. And of course you have the blood of Jesus to enable you to do that. But it's you to determine what you're going to do with that new heart. God will never force you to do anything with your heart. Your heart is your responsibility. Just as with your mind, you see. You have the responsibility to allow whatever thoughts fill your mind. God is not going to cause you just to think right thoughts all the time. Your mind is your responsibility. Your, your heart is your responsibility. Your body is your responsibility. Whether your body is a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, or whether you choose to use your body in ways that are not always right and that can grieve the Lord. We can't avoid our responsibility. And of course, when Jesus gives us commands, what he is addressing is our responsibility. You have the responsibility to either obey what I'm saying or to disobey, basically. Not to respond in obedience to what he says is, in fact, to disobey. I mean, if God gives an order and you don't do it, if he gives a command and you don't do it, you are in disobedience. We, we're all in disobedience. If, if we read a command and we don't do it, we're immediately in disobedience. So it needs to be the desire of our hearts that we obey him especially in this all-important command that is the essence of the new covenant. You see, whenever God makes covenant with his people, it's always built around a command. And the command of the new covenant is, as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. So, <clears throat> for me... This awareness of God's call to love is actually, I believe, 
what keeps me humble before God. Because I know that I'm never at a place where I fulfill it perfectly. But I know this is the call of God upon my life as it is upon every believer's life. And it's been my pleasure and joy to meet some wonderful, wonderful people of love. I mean, those who love in what I would call an extraordinary way, how their lives seem to be a complete embodiment of God's love in the way that, that they relate to others. And I, can, I could name the person who I think is the most loving person that I've ever met. But at the same time, he was the most humble man that I've ever met. Or one of them, anyway. Uh, so humble that every time I met him, I would have to encourage him because he was always conscious of how he failed to love as God loved him. And people would always be talking to him about how loving he was, you see. He's gone to be with the Lord now. People would often say how loving he was, but that's not how he viewed himself. And you see, this is it. If we ever think that we have come to the place where we're fulfilling the will of God perfectly, we are in a dangerous place, a bad place. We're in danger of being guilty of pride and self-righteousness. So knowing what the command of God is, I believe keeps us humble if we are truly intent on living this out. This, of course, <clears throat> for my family and myself, was the essence of why God was calling us to live in community. Now, I'm not saying that God is calling you or anybody else to live in community. This was just something that he did in us many years ago. And I met with him in a most amazing way to actually uh, initiate that willingness, really, to respond to that call to live in community. But you see, what I, what I had to learn then is that even though I was a pastor at that time uh, in a church, I could not ever shut the door and leave all the problems and all the other people outside of my home. Pastors can do that. They can, you know, be serving and blessing people all day long, but then they retreat to their home, they shut the door, and they've got a... I, <laughs> it's a bit like that now, where my wife and I just live alone. It took quite a time for me to adjust to that. Um, but you see, the people that need to be loved were in the home as well as outside of the home. For me, that was 
so good because although I was traveling the world and speaking at big major international conferences and all that and, uh, and uh, all the other stuff that was going on, it, it helped to keep me bound in reality that if, if I couldn't, if I couldn't and, and some of the people that lived with others had really major problems, not all of them, some of them, but if, if I couldn't love them, if I couldn't make that love work out in living with them, then what would I have to say to anybody else? And I, I don't usually talk about this, but I, 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 I know that what God, what God was doing with me internationally and some of the amazing moves of the Holy Spirit that I saw through my ministry were all because I was living that life of love in community, actually. Other people didn't realize that. They didn't realize that what God was doing, the way that he was moving, uh, I'm not going to talk about all that now because it's years ago, but I knew, I knew that there was a correlation between thousands of people getting blessed night after night with actually my desire to love as he had loved me. People wouldn't have been conscious of that. But you see, this is the thing. Jesus says, Father, may there be one, so that the world will believe. And what I saw was thousands of people coming to the Lord and getting blessed and barriers being broken down. Uh, even when I went to South Africa in the time of apartheid, uh, I was leading a mission to to um, Cape Town in the cathedral there, which was packed with thousands of people. There were even people standing outside listening through the windows because not enough people could get in. And, and I, I just saw the, the power of God break down the barriers between the races. Now, at that time, apartheid was still uh, the way of life in, in South Africa. And people said to me, they saw scenes there that they, they'd never ever seen in the whole of their life. And, and I, that wasn't me, that was God, right? That's the love of God breaking down those barriers. I, I won't go into detail because it probably wouldn't mean too much to you, but, but I mean, people said, we've never seen anything like this in our nation. That was God breaking down the barriers because of the love. And you see, we can only reproduce ourselves and others, what, what we're doing in others. I'm, I'm only telling you this, not to boast because it wasn't me, you know, it's, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, only the Holy Spirit can do that. But it's what we allow the Spirit to work in us first, so that the world will believe that we come into that place of love, we come into that place of unity so that we do see thousands being saved and hundreds of people having relationship barriers broken down in their life and seeing people being liberated and set free. We see that to a certain extent already and we praise God for that. We're not being negative about what he's doing now. But God is wanting to do a greater thing. We know that. This is the word he has given us. 
that he wants to he wants to move in such a way, he wants to move of our spirits so that we don't just bless thousands of people once a week at faith camp, but we bless thousands of people every week of the year. And we see the power of God uh, every week of the year in the same way that we see the power of God or have seen the power of God in 36 years of faith camp. So the essence of all of that comes back to this loving one another. And uh, that's why, in my personal experience, John 15 and the commands, John 13, John 15, the commands to love one another has been absolutely at the essence and the heart of everything that I've ever seen God do. And, of course, it's faith working through love uh, it's, not, it's not love without faith. The only thing that counts, Paul says, is faith working through love. And that's why that has always been the motto of Kingdom Faith ever since it was initiated many years ago. We used to have it on our note paper. Now, of course, it's all emails and stuff. But we used to have it on our note paper always, faith working through love. That's what Kingdom Faith is. So, there we are, beloved. That's... That's it, really. I, I think, in a sense, that's the bottom line. You know, God says, okay, <clears throat> you want to see an expansive move of my spirit that is going to have an impact on the nation. Well, understand that where such a move of God begins is with you loving one another as I have loved you. With you fulfilling that command. You see, it seems, it seems, the very opposite of the kind of evangelism that the church, that churches are used to. It sounds an inward-looking thing that we should just be concerned to love one another as Christ has loved us. In effect, Jesus knew that this was the essence of true evangelism and of the making of disciples. And that's why he prayed, Father, may they be one that the world will know that you have sent me. And the only way in which we can understand that, beloved, is not by praying for unity among churches. Unity will never come by people sitting around tables discussing their differences of doctrine. I mean, that's nonsense. You'll never, ever get agreement in that way. You'll never get unity in that way. The unity that Jesus was praying for and what he was talking about in this command is relationship. And you see, the only way in which we can express the outworking of this command to love others as he has loved us is within the circle of our relationships. Now for us, that's within the circle first and foremost of kingdom faith and then of all the other relationships that come out of kingdom faith, the other lives that, that are impacted. So we, we, we know that, okay, if we in kingdom faith set our hearts on obeying this command and loving in the way that he loves us, then he would do the rest. We would see that move of the Spirit 
And we're dependent upon our heart attitudes and trusting in the Holy Spirit to work this out in and among us. But he will do it if that's what we desire because this is his word and therefore this is his will. And you can see the wisdom of God in all this because imagine, I mean, it, it, this, is, this is already happening to a certain extent. I, you know, I, I, I don't want to deny what God has already done amongst us because it's good. Uh, we had a testimony of, of one family where they were dedicating their child on Sunday in the Horsham congregation where they were saying that since they've been part of the church here, <clears throat> since April, I think it was, that they have received such love and have been so well received and so on. So the love is there. But, you know, greater love. There is no greater love in this than a man lays down his life for his friends. So I believe God is taking us into the greater love, yes? And you see, the wisdom of God is to bring people out of darkness into congregations of people that are living this so they become light themselves in the world. Because wherever this love is spread abroad, the light of Jesus Christ impacts lives and delivers them from darkness. So, you know, I, I can just bear witness to the fact that God working this love out in a small group of people, which is what Kingdom Faith was when I was beginning to travel, but the fact that that love was there, we could take that love wherever God sent us and we could see the most amazing outbreaking of God's love, such immense fruit. And this is a different season. God will work in a different way. I'm fully aware of that, but the principles are always the same. And I've, I've told some of you that the first time I went to South America to some of the big revival churches there, I was met at the airport by someone who didn't really speak any English. Um, very few people actually spoke, speak English there in Argentina. And from the airport to the hotel where we were staying, driving in his car, I knew that he had this revival love. I just knew it. I thought, here it is, that same love. That, that we have experienced. You know it when you see it. Even though he could not communicate verbally in a language I could understand, the love that he had communicated. And I believe that's what God wants in our lives, you know. Wherever God sends you, whatever he decides to do with you, whatever ministry you will have in the future, he wants you to be able to carry that love that will just break through into people's hearts, that will enable such fruit, will break down barriers between people. 
It's just God working through his people, isn't it? So I think Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he said, a new command I give you. You are to love one another as I have loved you. Let's all stand. Just get yourself before the Lord and talk to him. I'm not going to lead you. It's just respond to whatever he's saying to your heart. When he speaks to your heart, you respond from your heart. So it's always good to start with thanking him. Because, you know, you, you don't focus on yourself, do you, when you meet with him. You thank him for the ways in which he has loved you. It's all a matter of degree, you see. We can thank God for the love that already exists here because it is, it is wonderful. But we know God is going to take us to another level to another depth of love, if you like, to more expensive love than we have known. Hallelujah. And we will see much more fruit. So just thank him for that love. Thank him for the transformation he's already brought about in your heart and in your life through his love. Be positive and thank him for all the ways in which he has enabled you to love others. You know, or probably already, you know there are many situations where you've loved, where before you would not have loved, you would have held back, you would have opted out. But God is doing a work within you already, isn't he? So thank him for that. Thank him that... God has poured his love into your heart by the Holy Spirit, according to his word. He has done that. So thank him for this great gift of love. You see, he's given you this love. He's given you this love. It isn't that you lack it. He's given it to you. And you're already seeing something of the outworking of it. But God wants a greater release of that love. He wants this love to break out, you see. When the love breaks out, the power breaks out, and everything else breaks out. Because we're fulfilling his command. So he's really talking to us about breakout this morning. But he wants to break out of our lives in much greater measure. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now the scripture says there's no fear in love. Some people are afraid to give love. They're afraid of what it might mean. 
Some people are afraid to receive love because you have to receive it as well as give it. So if there's any fear there, bring it to the Lord. Right? His love wants to cast out all fear from your life. The fear of love, the fear of cost of loving, fear of what demands this might make upon you, whatever the nature of the fears, just stand against them right now in the name of Jesus. Say, no, my life is not going to be motivated by fear. It's not going to be driven by fear. The purpose of God in my life is not going to be undermined through fear. And the perfect love that he's poured into my heart by the Holy Spirit overcomes all fear. Cast that fear out of my life. So I refuse to be afraid of what it means to lay down my life for others. I refuse to listen to the enemy wanting me to shut down that love to try to restrict that love. I refuse. I refuse the enemy any entrance into my life to undermine or contain that love. This love is going to break out of my life in greater and greater measure. That by the grace of God, by the working of his Holy Spirit in my life, I am going to love others as he has loved me. He will enable, he will enable the fulfillment of this command in my life. Can you pray that? Some of you are going to lay down your life by going to other nations with the gospel. That's not God's purpose for everyone, but it is for some of you. God's showing me that some of you are going to lay down your life in living for the poor by taking the gospel to the poor, just like Jesus did. But all that is going to be outworked through what he does in your heart. Hallelujah. You will be ready to go wherever he sends you. Amen. You see, his promise, I will be with you always, was given when he, sent the, when he sent the disciples out. You go out in my name with my love and I'll be with you. That's what he was saying. Hallelujah. You take the gospel to the nations, I will be with you. That includes our own nation, of course wherever he leads. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Papapara sandaria leto papapakala sandarama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Mm. 
God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete amongst us that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. And we love because he first loved us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Papapara sandalia leto, papapara sandalia leto, papapara zena. Vasta calaria leto, papapara sandalia leto, papapacala zena. Prostaparia leto, papapara sandalia leto, papapacala zita di sandalia. Papaparia leto, papapara sandalia leto, papapacala zita di sandalia. O papaparia leno masondoria sandalia leto, papapara sandalia. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Papapara sandalia leto, papapara sandalia leto, papapacala zita di sandalia. O papapara sandalia leto, papapacala zita di sandalia leto, papapara sandalia. Brasandaria leto, papapara sandalia leto, papapacala zita. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Papapara sandalia leto, papapara sandalia. O papapara sandalia leto, papapacala sandalia. Lord, we thank you for the washing of your blood through our hearts this morning in a fresh way, cleansing us of any selfishness, selfish ideas, wanting to cleanse us of all judgment and criticism and condemnation of others. Thank you, Lord, for your continual mercy, that continual cleansing that goes on in our lives. We praise you, Lord that that blood takes out of our hearts and lives anything that undermines our ability to fulfill your command to love one another as you have loved us. So we thank you, Lord, and we praise you. We bless you. But Lord, we know it's not just a washing away of the negative, but it's seeing the positive being expressed in our lives. So thank you, Lord, for all the ways in which you will enable us to bless, to give, to serve, to be available, to encourage, to build up, to do all that is positive towards other people. We thank you, Jesus. That you, can, you can work that in every single one of us in this room without exception, Lord, because it's your call upon the life of every single one of us. And we bless your holy name. We thank you, Lord, that it's not, it's not us, it's Christ in us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. So, Lord, we, we, we join with you in your prayer, and, and we pray, Father, may we, may we be one, just as the Father and the Son are one, 
we repeat your prayer, Lord. We, we pray that over ourselves here at Kingdom Faith, not just those of us here this morning, but over all of Kingdom Faith. Father, may we be one just as the Father and the Son are one. May there be that extraordinary unity that your Spirit produces amongst us for the glory, honor, and praise of your name. And we thank you, Lord. We want to be light to this nation. We want to be a light to the 25-mile radius around us. We want to be light in, in, in this town and in Crawley and, and Worthing and Burgess Hill and wherever else, Lord. Wherever you lead us, wherever you take us. We want to see congregations in these next few years breaking out all over the 25-mile radius. Not just other churches. There's so many churches already, Lord, but bodies of love, bodies that really encapsulate this, the outworking of your new command. Um, bodies of people that will just draw people out of darkness into your glorious light. That it won't be a struggle to start new congregations, but there will be such anointing, such empowering. We will be amazed at how quickly those congregations are get established and grow and continue to grow and get even bigger because of the dynamic of your love that is spread abroad in our hearts. And we bless you, we praise you, we thank you. We give you glory, we give you honor. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Papara Sandaria Leto Papara Sandaria Leto Papacalasina. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So Lord, we want to be like you. We want to be like you, Jesus. Like you in character, with that character of love. Fulfilling your call, your destiny upon our lives. We want to be like you in submitting to your authority, including this command to love as you have loved us. We want to be like you in anointing. That Lord, we will depend upon the anointing of your Holy Spirit to enable the outworking of faith and love in our lives. And Lord, we want to be like you in mission that our hearts are to reach others with your love and to see them coming out of darkness into your glorious light. That we will not only see people saved, but we will see many being made into disciples for the glory of your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come and just pray. Pray over your own life now that you will fulfill your part in God's great plan. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Poratapari aleto papapara sandari aleto papapara sandoma. Pastakalari aleto papapara sandari aleto papakalasutama. Pastakalari aleto papapara sandari aleno masuntama. 
Brota paria leto papapara sandaria leto papapara sinama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Porata paria leto papapara sandaria leto papapara sandaria. Bopapara sandaria leto papapara sandaria leto papapara sidi sandaria. Papara Sandaria Leto Papara Sandaria Leto Papara Zinama. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Praise your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Amazing. What an amazing statement. That Jesus has loved you just as the Father loved him. And he says, rest, remain, stay, live in that love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you've loved me just as the Father loved you. Thank you, Lord, I'm living today in that love. I'm living every day in that love. And I want that love to have a greater and greater impact upon my heart, upon my life, upon the way I think, upon my attitudes, upon all my relationships. That everything you call me to do will be done in love. Everything, Lord. But never will that love be lacking in my heart and life. I pray that in the precious name of Jesus. That you will be glorified, that you will be praised, that you will be honored. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that the love that binds people together within kingdom faith will be such that nobody will ever want to leave kingdom faith. They won't want to leave the church they will only ever want to be sent out. But I thank you, Lord, for that unity that binds people together. That even when there are relationship problems, they will never divide. But there will always be reconciliation. There will always be the resolution of those things through your mercy at work amongst us. And we praise you, we bless you. We thank you, Jesus. Karabakatiria leto papara sandalia leno. Papara sandalia leto papara sandalia leto papara Oh, papara sandalia leto papara kalasitri sandalia. Oh, papara sandalia leto papara sandalia leto papara Lord, we pray for all those missionaries that have been sent out already. Those 17 people and couples that we were praying about on last Wednesday at the prayer meeting. All over the world, many different nations. And Lord, all the others that have gone out from the college and from Kingdom Faith and are serving you in this nation and other places. We pray for them, Lord. 
We ask you to keep them in your love. Keep them under the protection of your love. That, Lord, you would bless them and use them, and that your love will prevail, especially in those countries, Lord, where there are very few believers, that somehow that love will break down barriers. That love will be of such an order that it will speak to people of other faiths, of other religions, and none. And they will be drawn to your heavenly throne. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Sakaraba Tondaria Leto Papara Sandara. Papapara Sandaria Leto Papara Sandaria Leto. Pasakalaria Leto Papara Sandaria Leto Papakala City Sandara. Papapara Sandaria Leto Papara Sandaria Leto Papara Sina. Pasakalaria Leto Papara Sandaria Leto Papara City Santama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Oh, bless your holy name. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Just be still for a moment and just rest in that love. The perfect love of God. Do in that love every day every moment of every day. There's never a moment of time when you're outside of that great love. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name, Lord. And Lord, we believe that your grace will be so at work in our lives in the future that we won't leave a trail of broken relationships behind us, but we'll, we'll leave a trail of love, yeah. of people that have been set free and brought into an entirely new place in relationship with you because of the way your grace has worked in and through us for your glory, for the fulfillment of your purposes. So we bless you, Lord. Shall we all thank the Lord together? Come on, let's just praise you. Lord, praise you, praise you, praise you. Praise you, praise you, praise you. For papara sandalia, let it be papara sidi sandalia. Oh, papara sandalia, let it be papara sandalia. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ.
and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So thank you that this day and every day for the rest of our lives, by your mercy and grace, will be filled with your love. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.